0: So when I see this team, I see a real pretender, not just in terms of this year, but going forward. So, yeah, balls.
1: So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we'll be looking at some of the games from around the league last week and looking at two teams in particular who might be becoming dynasties or possibly not. We'll, we'll find out, I suppose. Uh, then again, we'll focus on the games from last week. We're going to look at some of your questions and then we're going to move on to the games for next week. So hey guys, we got Connor here, we've got Harry. Hey. And we got Fitz. Hello. So lads, what's the crack? How are you getting on? Grand, grand
2: enough. Uh, taking my first of my two midweek breaks. Got a few leftover holiday days. A couple of Wednesdays off. Uh, have a weekend in the middle of the week. It'll be nice. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. I've also I'm also decided I'm going to just stop drinking for a little while, which is making my life surprisingly socially awkward. It's a really bad time of the year to
1: stop drinking. <laughs> like. There is a lot of uh, parties and events and shindigs happening. Yeah, I, I, I
2: didn't think this through. We'll see how long we'll see how long I can keep that up for. Probably yeah. probably till Friday, I'd say. <laughs> what about
1: yourself? It's any crack.
0: Harry's like, you know, January rolls around, and everyone's like swearing off for the New Year's resolution. And Harry's like, I stopped drinking a month ago. Ugh.
1: So you're coming up on uh, on Friday, aren't you?
0: Oh yeah, I'm coming up on uh, Friday for the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to
1: it. Yeah, I've got a gig on Thursday night as well. I'm going to Foy Vance on Thursday, and Very then good. I'm heading to the Hypnotic Brass with all you guys on uh, Friday, and then uh, chilled out weekend, cleaning the house and getting ready for Christmas party times. But I suppose, lads, we've we've got a lot of stuff to get through today, so uh, we might as well crack straight on into it. We've got a lump of news, but I think we're going to start with one piece that we've been talking about for a little while. There's two teams in particular we want to mention today. That's the Cowboys and the Raiders. As, uh, as they're so nicely named, who's the true number one seed of our hearts? <laughs> so I suppose what we'll have a chat about is we'll look at the Cowboys and then we'll look at the Oakland Raiders. We'll kind of say bits we like about them, some bits we don't, and then kind of Think about them more long term in both Super Bowl and kind of multiple season terms afterwards. Ronan, I'll come to you first on this. Cowboys, what are your thoughts on them? Are they legit or are they just, you know, a flash in the pan?
0: I like the Cowboys. There's a lot to really like about the Cowboys, especially in offense. They had a really good draft. They're putting a lot of pieces in there for the future. But I would have worries. Overall, in terms of whether this is a sustainable roster, whether this is a sustainable team. and um, In particular, I think, you know, this year they had a, luck, a lot of luck on the offense, but if you're going to look at, like, roster construction and how good a team is at, at, at consistently getting success, the teams which are generally the best at doing that are those which build from the defense out. The You know, the cliche is that defense wins championships. And when you look at the Dallas Cowboys defense, you see the legacy of a very long run of defensive ineptitude, more or less, that there isn't a lot of talent on this defense and there's a lot of things that they've done wrong. Now, some of these have come around in the end, like Morris Claiborne, generally considered to be a draft bust, has come along this season and they've had some good things, and they've managed to beef up their run defense quite well, but they're in the bottom five for pass defense. They continue to have a linebacking core uh, that, would be on Sean Lee, has no one of any real substance in it like Rolando McLean was actually a loss when he went out uh, due to his suspension that kind of tells you the kind of level of player that they're playing with on that defense so there's kind of a situation here that when when you're looking at this team like the defense right now in terms of this season right like in terms of the season isn't really at a championship caliber level and so that puts an immense amount of pressure on what are the what are obviously the very big benefits that come from having that run game and having the offense. But you guys, can, we'll talk about this more. So from my perspective, obviously, you know, being the fan of a team in the NFC, which is known for its elite defense, like obviously, I'm a bit biased in saying that. Like a team like the Cowboys, which has all of this exciting stuff on offense and so much potential, if they don't sort stuff out of defense, and they've made steps towards that, but they're still a below average or at least a best average defense, I don't think that they have what it will take to win all three games. I think in any one game you might favor them, but over those three games they're going to be at a point where they're going to need that defensive step up and I think they're going to come falling back. That's a wider reflection of basically the fact that, that team is still Jerry's team I and mean, what Jerry says go. fits that lack of vision and actual authentic football vision or idea about building a sustainable roster. So I have, I have a lot of doubts with Dallas Cowboys. I'm sure you guys are going to set me right right now. I'm sure all the, the Dallas fans will set me right in the comments. But like for me, uh, as someone who, who's seen what a good defense can do and how far it can carry you, I would still have worries about the team as long as that defense doesn't really get the talent infusion that it might need in this offseason or the off offseasons to come.
1: No, like I think I think that's fair. Although we have seen the defense perform probably better than we expected going into the season, but yeah, it is it is still a weak point on that roster. Like Harry, what's what's your take on the Cowboys? Where what do you like or dislike about well, them?
2: You know, a few weeks ago, um, we had our one of our first discussions about the Cowboys about the quarterbacking situation. I I, I said something that you know I, I regret now, and I think I've seen the light on this one. <laughs> um, Dak Prescott is is actually like he started off being like this kid could be legit. This is this kid has got a real talent, and now I think we're seeing him mature even throughout this season. And while we can talk about you know the run game, the O line, I'm sure we will. This is, this is a guy who maybe will stand up and notice. This is a guy who, if he can keep playing this, he's a, he's a generational talent. Quarterbacks come out of college and they're like they, they, they're physically capable. Quite often, they can throw the ball uh, with, with enough power and so on. But their ability to read the game isn't there. Dak Prescott's ability to read the game is incredible. He leads this team like they're like like he's been doing this for years. He's not had any roughness adjusting. And there were a few kinks over the first few weeks that you could see even then him iron out. And that's, that's remarkable that it takes so long. When you look at other rookies who come into the league and then impress and then tail off as other teams figure them out, Prescott's been able to play in such a way that he's not conservative but he's very smart about how he plays the ball. He makes very few poor decisions. He makes very few poor throws, and he's got all of the tools physically uh, to be a top-level quarterback. And he's already showing himself to be definitely in the in the upper tier. Um, yeah. If not quite at the level of obviously the, the the really really elite guys, this is a guy who's who's in there. With, you know, the good to very good quarterbacks. And this is his, this is his first season. So I think that's just a remarkable find for Dallas. This is a guy who wasn't meant to start. He was a fourth round pick. He was a little bit of a project. And obviously they've struck absolute gold here. And if they can keep him developing and, you know, he doesn't suffer any setbacks or he doesn't suffer any, any injuries or anything like that going forward, this is a kid who could really take over the league. And this could be, um, what Dallas has been looking for. This could be the difference between a guy like Tony Romo, who is a very good quarterback um, after, you know, after he he settled in and made his mark and found his feet. This is a guy who could, by that stage, be one of those so-called elite guys, be a guy who's looking at a an all-time great career. And it's just remarkable to see that uh, from somebody who's so young and so relatively inexperienced. So, long-term, that's fantastic for them. And even in the short-term, like, yes, I think Romo has got a point about the defense. They're, grand they, they are not certainly up there but with a guy like Dak Prescott you've always got a chance to win and you've always got a good chance to win when you have a guy who is able to take the pressure off the defense who is able to sustain drives who is able to keep the ball moving and keep the team moving when they uh, you know find themselves conceding a lot of points like in the game against Pittsburgh where they let up 30 points was still able to keep finding ways to move the ball down the field providing a threat that creates space then for the running game and is able to to have that balance that they've got.
1: No, of course.
2: Congratulations to Cowboys, obviously being first into the playoffs. Are they going to go all the way? I don't necessarily think so, but I think... I give them more of a chance than Ronan does to certainly surprise people and at least be in the championship game if they if, if Dak Prescott can keep up this level of play.
1: Oh yeah and like the big one for me is just well, it's a kind of a combination of things because it, it assists Dak Prescott but it, it also helps the, the main man that I'm going to talk about. Their offensive line is incredible. They've picked up talent over the last couple of years. They've invested heavily in there and it's coming to fruition. They've got quite a young offensive line. They can probably keep that together. Like that's a huge boost to them but what that does in terms of the run game and what the run game has in the in the form of Ziggy Elliott. Like, Jesus Christ, this kid is is off the charts. Like, you could you could have a sack of potato as a quarterback and this guy would still be getting yards. Like he's 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 one of the few people who I look at in the league at the moment and go, It's not just Arizona that have one of these complete running backs that can put the offense on their on their back. Like, Zeke Elliott is incredible. That O line is just Pounding holes open for him, keeping keeping the pocket safe, and that helps Dak. Helps the offense. Helps keep it balanced, and helps you helps them to force the opponents to keep guessing. And that's why, as you're saying, like they find ways to score. It's because they can score a multitude of ways. It's not a one dimensional offense, and I think that's key. And the big one, similar to what you're saying with Dak. These are rookies. These are people who are on cheap contracts that they've got for at least four or five years, if not beyond, and I would say definitely beyond. So you don't want to let either of these guys out of your out of your house. Like, the Cowboys are setting up a core of this offense, which are going to be with them for the next couple of years and going to set them up nicely for runs for the next at least five or six years before it starts to starts to be a problem of maybe having to pay everyone. Um But yeah, no, at the moment, at the moment the Cowboys very very strong uh and so I says I'll wait till the end to make my to make my call on this but I do think I do think we might be looking at a very very deep run for them this year. The other team that we're going to talk about is the Oakland Raiders. They've just taken the number one seed off uh, off your Pats, which is a big surprise. Some people are saying, are they the best in the in the AFC? Are they are they better than the Patriots? Are they the ones who are going to go for it? So I suppose I'll come to you, Harry, seeing as they usurped your boys. Are they better than the Pats? Well, firstly, tie breaks are weird, okay. Uh- <laughs>
2: Uh, Are the Raiders better than the Pats? I don't don't think so, to be honest with you. That's not a fair comparison point. I mean, the Patriots have been one of the best teams in the league consistently since pretty much the start of the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady era. So, you know, I I don't think you're really comparing like with like there. And right now, I think if it would come down to it, you'd probably favour the Patriots in general. But Oakland are, I think in a way the Patriots aren't, the future. This is a young team... This is a team with a huge amount of talent on its roster across a variety of positions. Now, there are holes, there are big holes, and that's why you wouldn't put them at the same level as the Pats, but this is a team that has the pieces, in the same way that you say Dallas does, that can build it going forward. And while there are more questions than there are about Dallas, there's also talent in more positions, in young talent in more positions than Dallas would have. So you've got some sort of interesting contrast there, I think. What... I really like about Oakland is, well, I, I was, apparently I'm not allowed to just talk about Marquette King for the next 10 minutes. No. So um, there, there's a point there to that, which is that this is a team that has a phenomenal talent in, in all those positions, like, including punter. But when you look at guys like Derek Carr, guys like Amari Cooper, a rejuvenated Michael Crabtree, you've got Latavius Murray, and then guys obviously like Khalil Mack. Hanging around on on the defense, causing just all kinds of problems for opposing teams. You've got a, a really dangerous opponent, and an opponent that has enough problems that it often gets itself into close games, into these shootouts, into these weird situations. But has the talent to pull through the majority of the time. And that's the thing with a team like the Raiders. You can never really say we've got them beat, because you never know what this team can do. A guy like guys like Carr and and Crabtree and Cooper and Murray are capable of those little bits of magic. That make the difference between a close loss and a close win. And no team really has looked comfortable against the Raiders this season. Even I think they probably closest at the Kansas City in the in the first game, it seemed like they had their number a little bit. But other than that, they've been just absolutely tearing it up. Like they're other the lost the Falcons, they ran them very, very close. And yeah. It was a bit of a, a, a messy one. And as the season has gone on, you can see them figure it out more and more. So it's just really exciting looking at this. I think I think we were going to say you know Oakland aren't quite there yet because of the holes I mentioned, things like O line, defensive backs, and so on. We won't dwell on that for mm-hmm. the time being. But what this is is this is a team that's done way, way better than anyone expected. A team that people thought was building a challenger that has suddenly come to fruition a lot faster than people thought it was going to. And that's just been remarkable. The way this team has gelled, the way they have found to use these guys to be effective constantly um, and to sort of elevate the play above what has historically been a franchise that's been mired in, well for the last few years anyway, mired in sort of mediocrity and mismanagement. To turn that around so quickly and to be able to gather talent that was just completely lacking beforehand is 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 fantastic so i'm really really excited for this team i'm really really excited for the young players and i think you know in a year or two this is going to be one of the um best like collective teams in the nfl and look look tom brady isn't going to be around forever as much as he wants to play until he's 50 and you know it could be this very well could be that when the pats are done when this generation of the pats falls off this could be the new team to beat in the afc
1: yeah we'll see ronan what about yourself what's your thoughts on them
0: yeah, like I think when Harry talks about all those teams and all those players who have come together, I think there's, it's more than just, they're, they're playing them more than just the level of talent they have. They're playing beyond the, some of their parts. And I think that comes down to one word, ball. Like Particular <laughs> fortitude. They, not only have they shown the capacity from a talent level and from a, like a psychological level to come back and do things, but they do it in a way which is fearless and in which they don't, give a crap about you know percentages or or statistics or anything like that. And it all comes down to it. Like it was established from the very beginning from that first game when they went for two in the last play to beat the New Orleans Saints. That is a statement win, a statement way to win a game and set the agenda for this entire season. And they have not just had that as a once off or something which Peter did. They have continued to do that. They, along with the Detroit Lions, have been the masters of coming back of never letting a game out of their sight and continuing to fight and fight and fight and do it in the way where they look like they're enjoying football. Like, look at Michael Crabtree. Not only is he a talented player, but when you're talking about rejuvenation, you're talking about a player who is traditionally being quite outspoken and sometimes being be considered a bit of a problem in the locker room, but he's found his space there because Jack Del Rio is letting them have that space. Because when you talk about this team, you have to give credit to Jack Del Rio, definite coach of the year candidate, because he looks like a guy... He's been here, he's done that before, seen it all, and now he's just going to sit back and enjoy. He knows he has a talented roster, he knows he has players he can trust, he knows he has the types of players who will make moves, and when he trusts in them, will come true for him. Whether it's Derek Carr with a strapped-up finger putting himself back out there and slinging about like he was Brett Favre, whether it's Khalil Mack coming through in the clutch getting the strip sack, Jack Del Rio trusts his team, and he lets them know that he trusts his team. And it's not like a situation where it was like Riverboat Ron, uh, where like there was always a sense that like this was against his natural order. Jack Del Rio looks completely comfortable playing that thing. Coaches like Bruce Arians or Pete Carroll, those type of coaches who are willing to let their team do it on their terms and work with what he has and make them let them let them express who they are as a team. And I think that's the kind of thing that makes a team exciting. So not only are are the Oakland Raiders a fun team to watch, not only are they a great team in terms of talent, but they're a team which has the capacity and which has the attitude, which embodies a team which historically was all about attitude. Like Oakland is a team which is as comfortably associated with heavy metal as it is with hip hop. This is a team which comes from a community and from a tradition which is about hard hitting, which is about putting on a spectacle, which is about saying, never die, we will fight to the very end. And I think the fact that Jack Del Rio has embraced that and put that to the fore speaks well to what this team can do. So when I see this team, I see a real pretender, not just in terms of this year, but going forward. So, yeah, balls.
1: But <laughs> like Tom Brady's press conference all over again, isn't it? Oh, God. <laughs> I like I like the comparisons to Favre when you're just constantly referring to balls as well. Seems uh, <laughs> oh, seems adequate. Now I must say, like so, in terms of the Oakland Raiders, not taking anything away from. Them, I agree, they have a great attitude. I agree, they've been very exciting to watch, very good in games. The problem is, I think they're not quite there. They're doing very well. I think they're overperforming, like you're saying. But I think that that's going to be found out in the playoffs against slightly higher caliber competition. So. Like If we look at this roster, they're lacking in a couple of areas. They're lacking in the DBs. They need a bit more experience, a bit more skill in there. They need more of a pass rush. As good as Khalil Mack is, he needs support. It can't just all be him. And also, their running game, as much as they're getting production... I don't trust that running game to be able to to last an entire game. I don't trust their running back stable to be able to put up with an injury. I think there's elements where they're lacking. They are an exciting team to watch, but they haven't fully matured into what they're going to be. I'm terrified of this team down the road more so than I am of them in this season. I think they're setting themselves up to be a contender and of course they're fucking setting themselves up to be a contender because the Broncos are coming down in the AFC West. So of course the Raiders have to go up. It can never be fucking... Why can't we be in the AFC East? like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) That would be class. I'd love to have to play Miami and the Bills and the Jets all the time. (laughs) That would be incredible. That's six games where I just just rest my starters. Like, maturity is what's needed. They're coming from behind a lot because they don't know how to salt away games early. They need more consistency from their players and they need more depth in their roster. The thing is, they're going to be this team over the next five years. I just don't think they're quite there yet. So in summary, let's go through these teams Each in order. Cowboys, do you think they're a contender to win the Super Bowl? Do you think they'll win the Super Bowl, Ronan?
0: I think they're a contender, but I don't think they'll win.
1: How far do you think they'll get?
0: I think they'll make the championship game. Against the
1: Seahawks. (laughs) Against the Seahawks, are you then thinking of it? Fair enough. Harry, do you think this is a Super Bowl team or a Super Bowl contending team? Uh, unfortunately, I, I'm probably in the same field of fits. I think
2: they're probably this is probably a championship game team. On the other hand, given how much we've seen them improve already over the season, if they can keep going in that direction, yeah. there's, uh, there's no reason they can't make the Super Bowl. So I wouldn't I wouldn't put money
1: on it, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them there. I'm backing them to make to, to the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if they'll win it, but I'm backing them to make the Super Bowl. I'm actually pretty sure I predicted them to make the Super Bowl in Week Eight. (laughs) fuck yeah okay fine And i think think we're all in agreement like this is a young dynamic core like these guys are going to be a dynasty for the next couple of years uh next up oakland uh are they a super bowl contender will they win a super bowl Uh, i'm gonna say no not yet okay how far do you think they get
2: um depending on depending on the seating this could be a championship team game but i'm saying given their propensity to to get themselves into holes probably divisional round
1: yeah yeah what are your self-fits
0: you know, I'm, I'm I'm rounding into liking them. I think they'll make the Super Bowl. Maybe rationally, I should go for, still go for New England, but I like them. They've got balls. I like balls. So, <laughs> yeah, put them in the Super Bowl. They'll still lose to the Seahawks because Homer. But yeah, put them in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I've got them. Uh, I've got them not making it. To be honest, I think they get into the playoffs. I don't think they win the West. So I think they're playing away well, who's homer now like
2: yeah well, to be
1: honest, to be honest, we'll, we'll see we'll see how we pick it but like we've got a very big game coming up this thursday but no i just i think i think they're nearly there but i think they're gonna miss out because i think if they have to go on the road to the patriots or something like that i just can't see them managing that that task now that said they've been great in the road but i think i think it's a next year maybe the year after kind of scenario for them depending on what moves they make in the offseason i'd look Come at me. Prove me wrong. That's fine. It's just my opinion. Uh, let's move on to some of the news for next week. All right. so on to the news. Um, we're going to fly through a couple of bits of news. There's some very, very sad news this week. Former New York Jets running back Joe McKnight was killed in a road rage incident down in New Orleans. Uh, he was shot the side of the road, apparently, while uh, trying to apologise to a gentleman who he got involved in an altercation with. A gentleman who... Shot him Was subsequently Released from custody But then has now Since been charged With manslaughter uh, Obviously a very Dark tie for him And his family It was mentioned He was about to be Signed by the uh, By the Vikings as well And try to get back Into the league So any thoughts On Joe McKnight I suppose Harry You probably saw more of him Seeing as you guys Played the Jets a bit more oh, Well, didn't see
2: much of Joe McKnight He was, he was, he, was yeah. he was a fringe player Mostly a special teamer I think he mm. spent some time At defensive back As well as running back he, was, he sort of moved All over the place You know regardless of that uh, Obviously it's, it's very sad I mean I remember Last year I was talking About Wilson Smith, and it's looking like a relatively similar situation. To be yeah. honest, um, a lot of the details even at this stage are still very hazy uh, in terms of what happened. I think we'll probably have to wait for a formal charge to be levied before we really know what mm. what is going on. It, it, it does seem messed up, and like I, I, I'm going to object to use the word gentleman because I like I don't really care what happens. Like shooting people over road rage, and it's just it's just appalling. It's a tra- it's tragedy. It's a tragic waste. The guy who did it. Partly, I, I don't really know what to say. Like, it's apparently yeah, pa-
1: he's known for this, that he's had a couple of incidents it's there. The same junction, yeah, yeah, a
2: known road rager. But I, I just can't understand how you can kill another human being over something so petty. Oh yeah,
1: as it's just, that. Uh, it's
2: just, it's just, it's just a, a real, real tragedy. And you know, you just got to wish the best to, to his friends and family, and uh, hope that you know. I, I don't, I, I don't even know. I don't think you can take a positive from this. It's no, just it's no, an no. awful waste of a young man's life.
1: It's just ridiculous. Mike Zimmer had eye surgery during the week. Uh, he missed Thursday Night Football. Apparently they had a plan in place to drive him down as well, uh, to try and get him down there. Uh, so he missed that, but he's expected back this week. Fitz, do you think him being missing had a big impact?
0: Well, they actually surprisingly played pretty well last week against the, the Dallas Cowboys and held them to a pretty good game uh, until Sam Bradford, you know, Sam Bradford did. I think it's, a, it's an issue, especially considering the turnover that they've already had on the offensive coordinator position. I think having all of uncertainty doesn't help the team. Uh, at a point at which the the season definitely feels like it's slipping away. Maybe maybe it could turn into a positive with the sense of having a week or so to actually think over it and come back refreshed. But, like, right now, I don't think it'll have massive effect. But I think they they covered okay without him. But we'll see if this has any effect in terms of the Vikings pretty much playing for their season right now every week. Yeah. Uh,
1: They've got a very different roster now than what they were expecting to open week one with, let's be honest. Uh, the NFL have said they're going to take our advice and hire some uh, some full-time referees. 17, in fact. So they can have one full-time referee every week and there will be no continuity. <laughs> uh, I can only presume. Do we think this is going to help fix the issue?
2: Yeah, like it, it, it's not a bad move. At worst, it's an absolute worst, it's not going to make it worse. Um, I think the more time you have refs sort of focusing on it it's not going to you know you're never going to eliminate all the mistakes but you know the more focus the more training the more these guys do uh, the better it is like professionalising things generally tends to result in better outcomes in terms of the efficiency of those things I've no doubt that this will probably lead to some positives Uh, 17 probably isn't enough I assume they're just going to make the head refs full-time setup yeah well
1: I, this is the thing i presume it's like they've got them and then they can have like a rolling one can have a week off or something yeah essentially a bye week like they would if they were a team i, I would
2: assume so yeah uh so obviously it's, it's a very small scale thing uh so hopefully they'll expand it i think because mm. i mean it's not just the head ref at the end of the day you've got the whole crew liable and quite often it's not the head ref who makes the wrong calls yeah uh, it's mistakes by so back judges, judges line judges thing, exactly yeah. so hopefully this will go well enough the nfl decides that it's worthwhile to uh to expand, yeah. expand the operation.
1: So Fitz, I hear they're paying $250,000 a year for these refs as well. Uh, do you want to pack in the statistics stuff and both of us will head over and become full-time zebras?
0: Yeah, sure, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, Why am I not invited? <laughs> You're too biased, sorry.
1: <laughs> From you.
0: The, Pat, the Pats would definitely bribe you. Be, wouldn't, you'd, you'd
2: they wouldn't it. even have to bribe me. <laughs> oh God, that only makes it worse. <laughs> Oh
0: well, there man. you go Harry
1: You just ruined your chance <laughs> God damn it It's like the All gate I mean no uh, <laughs> Speaking of which Tom Brady is now The winningest ever Quarterback With 201 wins Passing Peyton Manning Receiving dick pics In the mail From uh, from Brett Favre And uh, Yeah I hate the term Winningest Although for some reason I love the term Losingest Just because it's always In relation to Jeff Fisher And getting closer to it Um yeah, so this is, this is the pointless stat until probably, what, midway through next season when he's becoming the winningest regular season quarterback or something?
2: Sorry. Yeah, obviously Brady's the greatest of all time. The GOAT. But quarterback wins are totally meaningless statistics. Yeah, particularly so- when they include the playoffs. Like, this, this is just NFL market stat padding. This means, oh, yeah. this means absolutely nothing. We all know Tom Brady is great. We all know he's had a really long career. This is what's going to happen. I think Bill Belichick put it best it was like well he's won a lot that's good
1: yeah that was that was yeah. great Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick's response was just he's, he's he's won a lot of games that's that's a, yeah. that's a pretty
2: good thing exactly like quarterback wins are a stupid meaningless stat yeah. and we shouldn't be too worried about them I think we can appreciate the greatness of guys like Manning and Brady and Favre without this mm.
1: Flag Fun uh, your favourite boy who you wanted to talk about for the entire Raiders section <laughs> until we stopped you Marquette King had some fun uh So a flag was thrown on a pud after the 49ers ran into him or something along these lines a flag went down so Mark Akin decided to celebrate by dancing a fabulous little jaunty number all around throwing it around like he was a Morris dancer (laughs) yeah Harry he's your boy
2: ah this was fun like why not have a bit of fun now picking up the flag is a penalty but he would have got away with it if one of the Bills players hadn't. I was going to say
1: snith- but yeah, Margaret King. Good fun, uh, making making punting fun again. Fuck you, Tucker. Uh, <laughs> it's not even a punter. I know. They're they're all just kick people. It's fine. Uh, speaking of losing, us, Jeff Fisher uh, has got confirmed that he's been extended for a two year extension. Apparently, this was signed in the off season and they've kept it quiet. Uh, yeah, this is a weird one. Um, why do they want to extend this guy?
0: Not for his challenge flag finding. But it anyway,
1: <laughs> that was incredible. That was incredible. He went into his pocket, tried to challenge, couldn't find the flag, had to challenge vocally to the side judge while he searched all of his pockets.
0: Oh yeah, no, this is ridiculous. Like there, there is like there's a lot of talk that basically just because he signed an extension, it doesn't necessarily mean they'll keep him on if things continue to slide the way they have. But there's no reason to give Jeff Fisher any more money or any more extension. He's a coach who hasn't won and over hasn't had a winning season in over a decade. Hasn't done anything since one good time he had with Tennessee. Like Jeff Fisher is a bad coach. Have it's you? Official.
1: Have you read? Why the, would you
0: give him any money? Just stop, stop Jeff Fisher. Just go away. Take your losing this record and just go away forever. Well,
1: he's nearly there. He will probably get there by the end of the season. Now did you see the um the news story that's been breaking around this? That it turns out a relation of Jeff Fisher's is the head of contracts in the Rams and they are now calling out that this is potentially a bit of nepotism. Yeah, but I mean, look, like, this this comes back to the ownership, right?
2: And I'm going somewhere with this. This isn't a sidetrack, which is obviously you know, Silent Stan, the owner of my supported soccer club, Arsenal, and all-around incompetent. This doesn't surprise me for the simple reason that if... <laughs> like, this is the guy who basically passed off uh, his American MLS franchise onto his son, who has used Arsenal to make million-dollar, or actually, well, million-pound sterling payments to himself and his son as special consultants for their services i am not shocked that uh, an organization run by stan is full of corrupt nepotism because that's the kind of thing he likes that's why he wants to keep on a guy like fisher presumably because mm-hmm. he's incredibly conservative he doesn't actually care about the sporting product he likes making money
1: yeah he is he does seem to be the kind of chap who'll just do exactly what they ask him because he's just i can't believe they're still paying me well, to do thing, this it,
2: it, it, it's not even that he'll do what they ask him it's that he won't interfere with anything he will run the sports side and he will not question the ownership mm. and that's the relationship that, that is
1: endemic to all the clubs he owns yeah. it does send a bad message though to like they're trying to establish themselves in Los Angeles and the, the way they're going to do that is with this guy he doesn't care yeah. he's, he's, got a, he's, he's sitting on a gold mine of real estate he doesn't actually care like I honestly wonder how Jeff Fisher has now been a coach of the league for 21 years I think 21 years as a head coach in fact like, how he's managed to be employed this long he's only had I think five or six winning seasons in twenty one years. Like, it's it's ridiculous. I dunno. Rams, sort yourselves out. Get just get your shit together. Final bit of news which is we've got some breaking news on this one which is why we put it at the end Cam Newton was apparently benched for the start of the game uh, this week because of a dress code violation he wasn't wearing a tie he came wearing a turtleneck uh, he was offered ties by his teammates and said no ties don't go with turtlenecks and then we were <laughs> he's not wrong <laughs> <laughs> ah yeah but have you seen the shite he wears great like, uh- like a chain? can you look at
0: a chain that looked like a shape like a tie or something like that
1: He's not Michael Crabtree, like. <laughs> no, that would be like, pretty. That would be pretty awesome looking. Though. Get a
0: long chain and just like pinch it near the neck.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so he was benched for the for the what was presumably meant to be the the first uh, series. However, it was only the first play as uh, Derek Garson threw a pick on that play, uh, starting what was then to be a route by the uh, by the Seattle Seahawks. Now, what's breaking at the moment? We've only heard it from two news sources so far. One of which is TMZ. Oh God! <laughs> Although to be fair, they have been mostly correct on their stories about NFL players <laughs> that's true. in a worrying mm-hmm. turn. <laughs> uh, apparently, it's actually because he was bringing teammates out to the strip club before the before the game, and they were not happy with this behavior and said that that's inside. Overall, I would say that it's never going to be for a tie. If it's actually about the tie, it's about bigger issues in the locker room than a tie. It's a Probably a long-standing issue, but it being about taking taking teammates out to a late-night strip club before going to a game sounds a little bit more legit to me for a benching. Well, you got to wear a tie to the strip club, like that's true. Like very important, you know they they have they have multiple sizes of dinner jacket at the entrance just in case you forgot Absolutely. to bring your own. Yeah. as long as it's a classy enough Keep one. Classy. What do you think, Fitz? Uh, do you buy the tie? Do you buy the strip club, or do you think there's something more at play?
0: No, I I'd like. Honestly, this is just a situation where I think the coach is trying to re-establish his authority. Cam Newton is acting like a big wah wah baby; isn't really taking it seriously. Like Cam Newton historically just hasn't been very good at losing, and it's kind of showing this season with the with the Panthers kind of sliding back into mediocrity. Um, so for me, this looks more like a like a desperation play in terms of re-establishing authority than anything.
1: Like mm. basically, if this was
0: last season, none of this would have mattered; they would have got away with it. Uh, and I think that just ends up showing it's the team that, that's really in turmoil right now, which, which is lacking kind of authority and leadership. So for me, it's kind of a nothing story that that has only blown up because of where they are as a team. Yeah, no, of course, French
1: well, smooth party boat. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll do a quick run through the injuries. a couple of very, uh, very important ones. Uh, We kind of briefly talked about an injury to Gronk before, but we've now got confirmation he's gone for back surgery. He's out for the year, uh, been moved to IR. Obviously a huge hit for the New England Patriots. So uh, do you think Bennett can pick up the slack, Harry? Uh,
2: Some of it. I mean, Gronk is just insane. You're not going to be able to replace everything he can do. Um, But... Bennett's been fine this season, although he's had his own injury troubles. Yeah. It, it, it is a blow for the pitch, because it takes away a guy who is a game-breaker. And uh, it's just, like, in terms of talent... At this stage obviously He doesn't have the career length To justify it at this point mm. But in terms of talent is probably the best tight end You know I've got my opinion on no, this No I understand Tony uh, Gonzalez But I'm saying if, if Gronkowski Can have that kind of longevity Oh yeah, if he I think, could you know, it, would be, yeah. it
1: would be insane
2: Absolutely uh, Another big, big
1: another big blow For Seattle as well Earl Thomas has a lower leg fracture He's out for a season And immediately was tweeting afterwards Now I put this mostly down to Emotion at the time But was tweeting about Kind of how annoying it was And even was discussing retirement At that point So Fitz Can I Give us a little bit about what this is gonna mean for the Seattle team uh, as they look towards the playoffs.
0: Like it's a massive hit, like I think a lot of their scheme is premised on the fact that Errol Thomas can, you know, make up so much speed and so much space uh, in such a short amount of time that you, you can get away with a lot of things that you just can't get away with with an average free safety. Like I think the major thing is that like you know, the traditional base Seattle defense is like that uh, cover three, with the high safety, Errol Thomas really doing so much work. I think they'll, make, they'll have to make adjustments on the defense to kind of get around that. And I think, you know, the Seattle defense has held up pretty well in the game in Tampa Bay. Like, it wasn't the defense that lost that game. Uh, it was the offense. And at uh, Carolina, they had one long touchdown right after he went off, but after that, stiffened up. So I think they can definitely make adjustments, but, uh, like, the defense definitely takes a big hit with this. Uh, we'll see if the offense and the rest of the team can make up for it. But, yeah, massive loss, and hopefully... Uh, what, what you're saying it was just the motion at the time is true mm. and it will be a, a, hopefully a fairly uh, fairly routine he uh, yeah, has obviously a lot of time to, to rest up and he'll be ready and raring to go in time for training camp
1: next year. Yeah, of course. And then two more, just we'll be discussing these uh, these two teams later on as well. Anyway, Oakland, TJ Hayden has done his hamstring. He's out for the season. It's the one downside of this time of year that pretty much any kind of sizable injury is probably season. And uh, Tampa Bay, Cecil Shorts third got his knee destroyed. ACL, MCL, PCL and his knee uh dislocated all in one one go. So he's gone for the season. But as we said, we'll talk about him uh, in a little bit. So I suppose, guys... The guy who did about it, Jaleel Adai, he's got a history of injuring your players, I think.
2: Yeah? Yeah. Who did he take out? Um, I know he took out Macklin, for sure, and I think he took mm. out one of the running backs a while ago.
1: Could have been, he's
2: yeah. He's a very bad... T- he, poor tackling form.
1: Yeah, um, very not poor great. Tackling like. form. But yes, yeah, so I suppose, uh, on those cheerful notes, we'll move on to the games from, uh, from last week. So first up in the Ring of Honour is... Uh, Wow, two two in a row. Kansas City. Uh <laughs> Kansas City at Atlanta twenty nine to twenty eight. Uh Chiefs move to nine and three while the Falcons slide back to seven and five. Uh in what was nail buyer kept us on our toes until the very end. I was on a bus for the first half of this game, trying to watch it on my phone with dodgy rural internet in Ireland which was very annoying, especially because I was like, what do you mean it's becoming a shootout? That doesn't sound right <laughs> at all. Um, Eric Berry scored eight points himself, which means he outscored the Panthers, the 49ers and the Dolphins this week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is just, I, I like that. And uh, Kelsey also had a, had, a, had a big game here with 140 yards. Uh, his third 100-yard game. But I suppose first i'll go to you harry on this one uh atlanta this team is on the backslide a bit here we gotta start to worry i think they're now tied for their division like is this becoming a problem is this reminding us of last year's falcons
2: it is to an extent you know that sort of uh, lack of fortitude down the stretch i think part of it is just they're playing better teams at this point Mm -hmm. uh, and teams have figured them out a little bit i think I, i like i don't know if i would take too much away from this because I think this was a, they, they, fair look, they were unlucky to lose the game it was a bad decision that lost in the game ultimately and it was a very very close game but their defense was concerning to me um, their offense was stymied a bit Kansas City did a fantastic job of making it very very difficult for them to run the ball effectively um, made Matt Ryan's life very very difficult even though say, Julio Jones was able to go off on them The Atlanta struggled to move the ball in the way that we've seen them uh, against other teams they did convert like third downs to a very high percentage and so on mm. but they, they weren't able to just dominate like we've seen them do what concerns then is that the de- defense wasn't able to pick up the slack and we've had questions about this defense particularly the the, the front seven uh, and then of course the loss of, uh, of Trufant in, in the defensive backfield um, and I think we're seeing the effects of that for Atlanta that they're not quite tough enough to hang when the offense isn't firing on all cylinders and the offense has looked not as good as it has done earlier over the last few weeks and i think kansas city were really able to take full advantage of that now even then again they weren't blown out by any stretch of imagination like i said it was very close they probably should have won the game and it was a, a very like an incredible play really from eric berry mm. obviously but i'm sure you'll, you'll that'll be discussed afterwards. But um, yeah, I think Atlanta now need to look at where they're going defensively and say, like, even if we do make the playoffs, which they probably should still do, they need to get tougher than this if they're going to be able to beat yeah good teams when they come up against them. And right now, they're they're they've got themselves into a, into a fight with Tampa Bay, and that is not what we would have expected a few weeks ago. No, so it will be very interesting to see how this all shakes out. Uh, and I think it obviously Matt Ryan's uh, MVP chances have been slowly slipping away. Strongly
1: neutered over the last yeah, couple and, like weeks. he's
2: still playing well, but he's playing well he's not mm. playing well enough Uh and unless he can get back to that level like I said I just don't think the defence of this team is going to be good enough mm. to pull them to pull them through yeah no fair enough
1: yeah no I thought it, I thought it was a good performance in case Andy Reid coached his ass off in this one Uh he just did a whole load of crazy shit uh, still had me worried towards the end so this this is one of the parts where I disagree I don't think Atlanta should have won this game what I Concerns me in it is that I think that KC shouldn't have taken their foot off the gas so early. They stopped doing anything offensively for the last quarter and a bit. They had a, now to be fair, they had an 11 point lead at this point and they just decided we'll just lean back and not do anything. But that that doesn't do it for me at all. I started to get real worried when the guys started to catch up. So, in terms of fun plays, fake punt for a 55 yard touchdown, why not? Going for it on fourth down, why not? Great. Defence stepping up in big spots, lots of bend, don't break, forcing them to stick to, to, to field goals. But again, not the dominant performance I would have liked to have seen from them. Really good in certain spots, but between the 20s, not the performance I wanted to see. Smith looked very good in this game. Surprisingly, 270 yards on 21 of 25 attempts on a touchdown. He averaged more than 10 yards, 10 yards a completion, guys. Uh, in fact, more than 10 yards an attempt, which is, is unheard of. <laughs> what's also unheard of is there was no field goals from Cairo Santos in this goal, what's in this game whatsoever. And that is the one thing that I do, I did have as well. at that tail end, I still had no worry of it. Well, Santos will go down and tie this up, and then we'll have we'll have overtime, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't think there was a risk of it being lost at the end. I thought there might be a risk of it being tied up and then going to overtime, and then I was getting worried because, as we discussed at the time, the defensive line for the Chiefs was looking okay, but the loss of key players on there shows that they don't have as much puff in the fourth quarter as you'd want them to have. So yeah, I'm looking forward to next week. Uh, well, I say next week, two days time. Uh, in fact uh, yesterday when you listen to this um, <laughs> <laughs> big game Macklin's back the team's ready in form offense look better I'd like to see more from the defense but uh, yeah god damn Eric Berry pay that man Like just, just just, pay him next game up Tampa Bay at San Diego in the neutral zone 28-21 to uh, Tampa Bay continue their surge that's four wins in a row against the San Diego team is looking tired broken and Quite possibly done with this season. No one jumped out on the offence really. Uh, Gordon looked pretty good. Uh, and the game ended up on a heartbreaking kind of Keith Tandy interception of Philip Rivers. His second of that second half. So, As much as he is an excellent player it kind of is to an extent on him uh, what happened there. As we mentioned earlier Cecil Shorts the got very badly hurt in this game. Uh, so we're looking at two franchises here in very different positions. San Diego essentially with a done season. Tampa Bay looking now at where they can possibly take this season uh, in, in, into the after. so Harry in terms of San Diego three games back in the division it's a lost season but even with all the injuries they have they're competing they're still looking like a potential team the level of injuries this team has had would cripple almost anyone else mm-hmm. if you're in charge of this team do you start resting players uh, because you're moving anyway and you don't need to necessarily maintain it? Or like, what what's your mindset going into the back half of the season?
2: I mean, it's difficult to rest guys like Philip Rivers or so on, or because they, like, they don't like saying yeah. these are competitors, these are guys you want to play. Even if you are moving and so on, nobody likes to see a team give up on a season. Nobody seems likes when a team visibly tank, unless it's like the Colts that one year, where it didn't really matter whether or not they were trying. I was
1: almost unsure. But Do you think that they tanked on purpose that year?
2: Look, I think they were shit, but I don't think they were too concerned about the fact that they were shit, if yeah. that makes sense. I don't think they threw any games. I just think that it was like, well, like, it very quickly became apparent this was a lost season, and then the effort yeah. from other, everyone other than Pierre Garcon, really, was atrocious. Yeah, uh, he, he had quite Sorry, I'm taking you on a no, sidelighter. Well, that's kind of the same thing. I, I don't think San Diego are going to roll over and die. I think this team has that kind of mentality. I think you've got a coach who is still fighting for his life in a lot of ways yeah. and is going to want to finish the season strong and say, look, there's something here next season. It's not just the injuries. I can get performance out of these players. If I'm able to play with a full hand, this is a competitor. So I think that's going to be a very big, um, important thing for, for keeping them competitive uh, through the rest of the season. Now, uh, I think a lot of fans would probably rather if McCoy was gone anyway. Yeah, But I think we are going to definitely see them fight on. Again, it was a good display from the defense. And the offense just looked exhausted. And I think that's going to happen when you've lost so many key pieces. It was It was a tired performance. Uh, they just weren't able to maintain in the second half, really, uh, at all. I can definitely see why Why the argument is there for them to stop the team from falling to pieces, give people a chance, give them a rest. But I, I think, like, like they did in this game, the team's just, just going to keep going until it breaks because there's too much for too many players and for too many of the staff
1: riding on being able to get something respectable out of this season. No, of course. Rolling Ronan, top of air and I tied atop the LSE Souths. They've got the Saints to play twice, the Cowboys and the Panthers, right? Not the easiest. They're tied with the Falcons who have a softer schedule. They've got the Rams, the 49ers, the Panthers and the Saints. Like, is there a potential for this team to take the division or are they just wild card hunting at this point?
0: I think they definitely have a chance at the division. Like, you know, when you're looking at the teams that they've beaten to get into the situation, you're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, the Seattle Seahawks, and on San Diego Chargers. Uh, like, San Diego are a bit of a step down, but you're talking about teams who uh, are either in the hunt to win their divisions and be one of the best teams in their conference, or a team in San Diego who have come very close to winning and basically probably should, if luck was on their side this season, have at least two uh, two more wins yeah. to the record. And, like, I think like this kind of game shows that, like, it's kind of a theme I talked about a lot, a lot last season. It's that, like, you know, the NFL... Everyone's operating at such a high level that very small things can have a very large effect. Can have a very large effect on how you end up winning games, and not just in terms of luck, but in terms of how a team develops. So, I think like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like those two wins have solidified their belief in themselves. And like we can talk about the offense, like Doug Martin is back, is back, and that's definitely helped and added some very needed balance to the offense and allowed Jameis Winston to make a few less boneheaded mistakes. He still, he still has a very annoying tendency to make boneheaded mistakes, but it's less so when he can actually rely on Doug Martin to ground up yards. But I think the big development for Tampa Bay down the stretch, and which gives them a chance, is the fact that this defense has gone from being one of the worst early on the season to turning into one of the best. Like, the last month or so, this defense, all of the playmakers that they rely on have started to come together. So, you know, Gerald McCoy, Levante David, uh, these are players who have a big reputation but more than that, the young players that they brought in, that they drafted, like Noah Spence and Vernon Hargreaves, are starting to show the pedigree that they had when they were drafted at the near the start of the draft. So I think that defence coming together gives them a chance. Like I think you know, like as you would say, Connor. Like, we book them from teams which have a defensive pedigree. And I think when you start getting a young defense which will ease in itself and has a few totems, like, like the McCoys and the Davids, to build around, then there really is no limit to what they can do. Like, I think based on strength of schedule, you would definitely need to favor the Atlanta Falcons. But in terms of if this was a head-to-head tomorrow to decide the division, I would probably take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Atlanta Falcons in a one-on-one shootout. So on that basis, I definitely think they have a shot. And they've shown that they could beat the best teams in the league, so you know don't count them out. It's going to be tough. It's going to be. They're going to need to have a bit more luck on their side, like they had in this game. Uh, but yeah, they're definitely a contender. They're definitely a very interesting team to keep an eye on if they do make the playoffs. It could be a team which no one will want to see at in January this season.
1: Yeah, I do I do have that feeling that they're gonna be the one that no one wants to end up randomly drawn against going, ah shit, like we don't know what's gonna happen here. We've got the dumpster fire up next. Lads, this might be the early champion for worst game of the season. This was barely football. Rather than San Francisco at Chicago six to twenty six, this was Howard versus the last vestiges of Colin Kaepernick's career. No completed pass in the entire first quarter. San Francisco at halftime were negative 14 yards passing. San Francisco finished this game with 39 yards of total passing offense. If Matt Barkley can throw for 192 yards, and they don't even have a receiver, <laughs> then you should be able to make three digits. I'd struggle. i try to find something good here. Nick Bellore played good on defense from San Francisco, or at least he made a lot of tackles. I don't even know where on the field he made those tackles. The Bears got six sacks. There's a plus. Jordan Howard is pretty good. Jordan Howard is pretty good. Uh,
0: I know the best part of this game. That
1: it, it ended? When,
0: it was when the San Francisco 49ers special teams thought they'd got a return touchdown. Oh, I forgot about that. Went on a massively exuberant over-celebration. Where the entire team no angels angels got on board. And running around. But the guy had stepped out of bounds. And basically the play was not dead. And then on top of that, 50. for a team which had failed to move the ball at all, they got a fifteen-yard penalty for excessive celebration, yeah. <laughs> and ended up kicking a field goal. It was it was that inc- was the best part of this game. I I guess.
1: I don't know. I was I was a fan of the part where in the press conference afterwards, Colum Kaepernick said, "To be honest, he was quite surprised he was benched." <laughs> well, look, he was he was. He was net negative yards in this game. Yeah, now, hang on a Net negative, including his rushing, he was minus one net yards.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, far be it for me to defend Chip Kelly's wild ride.
1: That's my question, I'm, I'm going to try. Okay. Explain Chip Kelly's wild ride. <laughs> Nobody
2: can explain Chip. It's like the Fermat's last theorem. Like It's ridiculous. Now, in, in, now this is a very, very marginal defensive Kaepernick. Now, they did only let him throw it five times. So you know, he did a very small sample size. It's not like he was actually really like they called up any plays where he was going to pass the ball. And yeah, obviously his numbers are dismal, like one of five for four yards. And God knows how many sacks. It's interesting. You say they finished with thirty-five. Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, whatever it was total passing yards. They actually didn't because of sacks. They finished with six, oh yes,
1: oh no, I was, six total I was, passing yards. I was just, being, I was just being
2: generous. to You're them Generous. On that yeah, one. there you go. <laughs> it's just so sad. It's like right, the bench Kaepernick. And bring on Blaine Gabbard, who proceeds to go 4 of 10 for 35 yards, no. which is no. nearly as bad. No, I, I, I'll tell you, just fun, fun fact, right? Do you want to hear the, the, the numbers of the length of the completed passes in oh, this game? I think Because it, it'll be quick, because there's only five of them. Yeah. So 18, that's alright, that's a number. 6, 6, 5, 4... That yeah. was it. That was San Francisco's aerial attack. Like, I know the weather is bad. I know your team isn't great. But, like, I actually... At the starters is like, oh, they're not going to sack Chip, Chip Kelly after one season. And at the start of the season, I was like, it can't be worse than Jim Tomsula.
1: It might be. It, it might be worse than Jim Tomsula. Like, it how do we be. get here? Also, just as an aside, because we actually didn't talk about it in the news, could Colin Kaepernick have picked a worse week to say he's going to test free agency? Oh, my God. He came out and said he's going to void his contract and test free agency because he's had two or three decent looking games and obviously he must think the option for the next year must be bad. But he said, oh yeah, I'm going to go test free agency. I think I'm worth a lot of money. Net negative yards and you don't know why you were benched. <laughs> I, like, I was going to say, like, is there anything to take from this from the Bears? But I think it's just a bizarre game. You can't take anything from this apart from football died a little bit.
0: Also, Jordan Howard. Look pretty good.
1: Yeah, but to be honest, I think I think you could have ran in two touchdowns against the way that the San Francisco team were playing. Yeah, he got three, that's why he's a professional player and you weren't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: it, like it's true. Like the a game, you have like your third string quarterback, give it to your running back, yeah. Chicago wins. Pretty much the entire game.
1: 100%, 100%. It's, I'm It's happy it happened. I'm sad that I saw some of it. Mm. Yeah, we, we we ran a bit over time, so we're not going to do the questions this week. We'll try and fit two in next week. Instead, we're going to go straight to the games for, uh, for next week. So, uh, first game up, and it's actually Harry's pick of the week. Uh, Oakland at Kansas City. I'm taking Kansas City. Uh, Harry's taking Kansas City, and Fitz is taking Oakland. So, Harry, tell us a bit about this game.
2: Yeah, obviously, this is a hugely, uh, hugely important game under... 10-2, and two, Kansas City 9-3, but with a win, given the tiebreaker, because Kansas City have already beaten Oakland, uh, Kansas City will move into first place in this division and therefore avoid the wildcard round. So yeah, pretty huge. And if obviously if Oakland win, then you think they're going to have a two-game advantage. You think they'll be okay. So huge pivotal moment for the AFC uh, West. This is going to be really, really interesting because Kansas City, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, were the only team who've looked like they might have had the Raiders number a little bit. Uh, in that in that earlier game, this is going to be in Kansas City. Uh, so again, you think that will favour them? The Chiefs are a good home team, but Oakland have been a very very good road team as well this season. So that's going to be interesting. So what this is going to be a test of is is how much can Andy Reid I think think outside the box? So what we saw this week, as you mentioned, Connor from Kansas City was fantastic. I've never seen um, I've, I've never seen an Andy Reid team play like that. Really, no, like it either. was mental and it was brilliant. And it was, you know, maybe it was a little bit of throwing down a challenge to Jack Del Rio and being like, all right, whether or not they try and maintain that, or whether they're like, we're just going to try and hunker down and grind out a game against a team that is occasionally sloppy, against a team that doesn't really take games by the scruff of the neck in the way it should, and relies on these exciting shootouts and fl- and like flashes of talent uh, to get itself over the hump. So it's going to be a real sort of contrast of philosophies there but again Reed's shown us now there might be a little something more there so we need to see how the Raiders then prepare for that coming into a game like right we know what Kansas City can offer and suddenly it's like oh actually maybe there is more to this team that we haven't seen they're breaking this out all of a sudden is this is this a uh you know, a double bluff? Is this something that they decided to do because they felt like it? Is this something they plan on consistently doing against strong opponents because they feel they have the capacity to make these kind of trick plays and draw up a much more exciting thing than what you've talked about before, this idea of, like, oh, there's the uh, the slant pass, the run, and so on. The other factor that's going to be important, and this is part of the reason that I uh, fancy Kansas City to edge this one, is firstly, I think they've got a little more now than they've shown us, and I think that it'll be difficult for Oakland to adapt to that very quickly. The other thing is going to be the weather. It's going to be Baltic in Kansas City, as it often is around this time of year. Uh, the pitch is going to be rock hard as a result of it. It's going to be a very, very hostile environment for even the Raiders to come into. It's a loud stadium. The weather's going to be miserable. It's going to be very, very difficult for Oakland to, uh, I think, get comfortable. And I think this is a game where the early stages are going to matter a huge amount because if Oakland get confidence and show that they can throw on this team and they can find holes in the running game... They're going to start rolling, and then it's going to get into a shootout, and that's not the type of game Kansas City have historically been good in, although last week maybe showed us that they can be. Whereas if Oakland struggle early on, KC will, you feel, lock this down, and my instinct is that this KC team is experienced enough and well-coached enough and defensively solid enough. Now Peters is back to health, now they've got Houston back, and now they've got all their other pieces playing well that they should be able to to shut down the Raiders in a victory for what most people will consider to be not that fun football but the kind of football that Connor absolutely loves I would give the edge here to uh to Kansas City.
1: Yeah, it should be should be a good one. I think I'm definitely going to be getting I'm going to the Foy Vance gig. I'm going to see if I can meet Foy for a pint afterwards cuz I know him from a couple of years oh, ago. Very good. And then uh after that I'm going to come home and I'm going to watch the cheesecake and I'm just going to be completely wrecked tired and work oh, the following that. Yeah. Next up we've got the Mazungus taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. We've gone with across the board. Why is this? Cuz Carson Wentz has gone to shit. Outside of that, yeah, just Philly just have fallen apart the last couple of weeks. Uh, Mzungus are trying to make a push to stay relevant, so that's why. Uh, Houston at Indianapolis up next. We're taking Indianapolis across the board. Uh, why do you believe in luck fits?
0: Yeah, like as I said last week, the reason that it's usually big Indianapolis is because Andrew Luck exists, and therefore against any team that isn't actually good, you should want him, even if Houston's team overall better. And like, let's be honest, the reason that, the, bit, the real reason we're all in Indianapolis. Is, is that we don't want Houston to win. Houston are a terrible team. They're terrible to watch. They are one of the worst teams in the league. Brock Osweiler, the sooner he gets like, dropped by Houston, the better. Yeah, win and keep Houston out of the off season, so we don't have to endure another blowout involving that team.
1: No, of course, of course. Uh, next up, Cincinnati at Cleveland. Uh, do we believe-land? We do not. Cincinnati across the board. Why is that, Harry? Well, as it turns
2: out, Cincinnati might actually... I remember that they are, in fact, a football team, albeit not a great one. But a football team, nonetheless, that can occasionally do football. Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> I like, I, I just want them to win a game, but I, you just can't pick them. Um,
1: next up, we've got Denver at Tennessee. Uh, I've taken Denver. Harry's taken Tennessee, and Fitz has taken Denver. Uh, I suppose, why Tennessee? A well, Part of this is just Texans hate, to be honest with you, similar to Fitz.
2: <laughs> um, but Denver like really struggled against Jacksonville. And Denver have been wobbly for the last few weeks, even where they have been winning games. What Tennessee can do, that teams like Jacksonville can't do, is run the ball well. And Denver have really struggled to be as good against the run as they have been in the past. And that's become, I think, more and more apparent down the season. This is the kind of game where I think you're going to see DeMarco Murray get fed so much. I think we're going to see bits of Derrick Henry in to pound between the tackles and tire out that defense. Like, we've seen um, a Denver team struggle to move the ball through the air with two different quarterbacks admittedly, Tennessee's defensive backs aren't great, but again, what have Tennessee been good at? They've been good at taking away the run, which is how Denver generally set up uh, to play and generally want to play their game. So I think for all the flaws with Tennessee, I think Denver have consistently flattered to deceive a bit this season. We've seen a drop-off in their performance over the last few weeks, and it just feels like, given where the talent is on these teams, Tennessee are in a position that I think they will just about nick this
1: one. Yeah, like I just think Denver... They have a couple of weapons. Tennessee, people seem to have figured them out a little bit in the... Just stack the fuck out of the box. Like, Denver have the cornerbacks that they don't need to dedicate too many men like they don't need to double the tight ends and stuff they they can go one-on-one against them they'll probably get just enough out of their quarterback and it's also it's a must win for them if they need to if they want to stay relevant and in the hunt for a wild card spot they need to win this game I'm, I'm just gonna I just think up top to bottom they've got a better roster that's all uh, New Orleans at Tampa Bay we've taken Tampa Bay across the board uh, why New Orleans have looked to struggle a bit Tampa Bay as we discussed earlier have looked a lot stronger their offense is looking good their defense is stepping up and they can probably learn from the uh, from the game plan that was laid out last week against New Orleans how to maybe quiet down that New Orleans offence next up is Ronan's pick of the week Arizona at Miami uh, I decided to go out my own and go for Arizona while you two boys have gone Miami Ronan tell us a bit about this game
0: this game is, is a bubble game this is a game two teams that really can't afford another loss that really need to win every game from now on to really feel any confidence that they can like secure a wild card spot and both of them are really going for a wild card spot at this point. Uh, Arizona are probably too far behind the Seahawks. Miami are too far behind New England to really be threatening them. So what you have here is two teams which have flattered to deceive at various points and then look quite good at other points of the season. So Arizona coming out of the gates looked pretty good. They had a, like a few impressive performances at the beginning of the season. And then as the season has gone on, they've gone into this like, mid-season kind of funk where they ended up like losing a lot of games that they really couldn't afford to lose against teams like the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, but last week they had a signature, or they had a massive win against the Mizungus. If they'd lost that game, like you could pretty much have written them off completely. Like, but they they showed up, they like they showed a bit of backbone against the good Washington team and managed to do it in a way which kind of reminded you that on the offense they have David Johnson. David Johnson is really, 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 really good. Uh, Larry Fitz is still there Carson Palmer is still bang up and that O-line is still terrible but I think between David Johnson and Larry Fitz they have enough to do stuff in offense but that the defense is starting it has has really not been bad this season it just hasn't been good enough to carry Carson Palmer and that beaten up O-line but you can't count Arizona this is a team unlike um, Carolina where I kind of feel they're all falling apart and I think the immaturity kind of came across I still think this is a team which still has its identity but which just isn't getting things to go its way. So I think Arizona are a very good team, but on the balance of power of what we've seen over the last like month, two months, Miami are the better team. Miami have established a run game. Miami have a better defense, in my opinion, and have shown a lot of really good things. But they had that like really bad loss. Like that was that's a, that's a heartbreaker. Like they had so much going for them. They were on this massive win streak, and then they managed to throw it away. It was an absolute like terrible, terrible play against uh, the Ravens. Now the week before they had a very uh, disappointing they barely beat the San-, San Francisco 49ers. So the warning signs were there. But if you go back like a few months ago, like, like a few few weeks ago, you know, J. was getting back to back to yard games. So like the reason I've gone for Miami in this game is because I had, I still have a little bit more faith that they could do things. But the big question mark for Miami, similar to Arizona, is a quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, he looked good for a while, basically when JJ just like took all the pressure off him. Does Ryan Tannehill have the skill? Is he a starter-level quarterback in the NFL? These last four games, this is his opportunity to show that. And if he can do that, Miami can make the playoffs. So I think this game is fascinating because whoever loses this game is going to take a massive hit to whatever hopes they have for play. So for me, this makes is a fascinating game between two contenders. A week ago, we thought we were going in the opposite direction, but last week has really changed the narrative a bit. So it'll be interesting to see which one will actually prove to be the correct one for these two teams. I don't think this will be a pretty game, but I think it will be a fascinating game to see and will have massive implications.
1: Yeah. Next up, Chicago-Detroit. We've taken Detroit
2: across the board. Why Detroit, Harry? Uh, Detroit, yeah, they've like they figured it out recently. They know how to um, beat teams. Their defense looks great. Really, the problem with uh, Chicago is their quarterback is Matt Barkley. Their receivers are banged up and or terrible. Uh, this is a good run game but you just think that Detroit given what they were, they were able to do to Drew Brees are going to be able to
1: do pretty much the same here Matt mm. Barkley is uh, eight and a half times better than all of the quarterbacks in San Francisco put together officially after last week uh, Next up Pittsburgh at Buffalo we've taken Pittsburgh across the board Like Buffalo are okay but they're not good enough to really run with Pittsburgh have been riding into form look like they're really making a push for the postseason Ben's looking well. Brown's looking well. Vell's looking well. It's going to be hard to deal with them. Their defense not up to much, but that offense is uh, firing on all cylinders. Uh, San Diego, Carolina. I've gone San Diego. Harry's gone San Diego. Fitz has gone Carolina. Why Carolina, Fitz? Yeah, like like
0: if the Miami-Arizona game is a game between two teams around the bubble, this is a game between two teams who have just fallen off the edge and, and are basically done for the season now. Uh, like, I think Carolina are just... Uh, I like Carolina at home. They've played teams tough. And I think San Diego... Like my biggest issue is I think like like Philip Rivers has really gone off the boil the last month or so, making a lot of poor decisions. Maybe he's like that desperation factor. Like San Diego, they're just a team that's good at losing and like managing to lose close games. Carolina have shown a bit of that as well, but like I think Carolina, they have a bit. I think they have a bit more tendency to still know remember winning basically. So like I don't think this is going to be a great game, and it's going to be pretty close. I'd say uh, so. I'd, I'll shade it to Carolina because they're at home.
1: Yeah, like San Diego, I just think. Like I said earlier, they're still playing well. They've got a nice roster. They've got good pieces. They're not a complete team, but neither are Carolina. Carolina have some issues themselves internally they need to deal with now with kind of how they're going to manage this locker room. I just think San Diego probably have another win or two left in them. And as Harry mentioned earlier, there's a lot of people's jobs are going to be on the line on these ones. So they are still going to be playing hard, even if it's less relevant football. I'm not sure if Carolina's locker room are going to be that driven to play football when it doesn't matter so much. Uh, Minnesota-Jacksonville, we're taking Minnesota across the board. Harry? Yeah, well, I mean, if you want to arrest your slide, playing Jacksonville is a pretty good way to do it. It is
2: a pretty good like way to avoid losing. Blake Bortles is a pick-six machine. He has more career pick-sixes than wins now. And yep. I know we said that quarterback wins are meaningless earlier, but it's uh, that's a fun stat. Do you know what's not a meaningless stat? Pick-sixes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it probably is compared to interceptions overall. It's probably actually fairly meaningless. Yeah. But anyway, Blake Bortles is an idiot who can't throw the football. We saw him manage to get, throw a pick six on a dump off over oh the middle. Like he is just finding new and incredible ways to lose football games. It is um, remarkable. This is a guy like look. I, I actually feel bad for him because you know I actually don't think he's as bad as he plays. I think he's just in a really shitty position and psychologically. Oh. I think that might, I think he, like he needs to see a sports psychologist. But, but is it, like he's he's, he's regressed since last year. That's what I mean. That, that they, that's 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 head stuff. You know what I mean? And that's a it, that's a failure in Jacksonville. They can't get a sword But anyway, total sidetrack. Look, they're a bad team. Minnesota are not a good team and not as good as we thought they might be. But their defense is certainly good enough to cause a ton of problems for a really bad Jacksonville offense,
1: and i probably just roll them over. 100%. Next game up. Ah, oh, it's definitely going to be the worst game of next week. Uh, Jets at San Francisco, the early contender for runner up for worst game of the season. Uh, myself and Harry have both gone San Francisco, and Fitz has gone for the Jets. Uh, Fitz, Jets, Kane Fah. It's, it's
0: a tough one. Like, I don't think, like, just love Bryce Petty. Tough. Yeah, like calling for either of these teams is stupid. Like. I don't... <laughs> I hope, it, like, basically, if the Jets just hand it off to Forte and just, like, basically play within themselves, I think they have enough talent there to, to kind of put some stuff. Like, if, if you're going to talk about defenses, like, the Jets' defense has played bad this season, but they're at least decent. And, you know, their biggest issue is on the back end, who on the 49ers team is really going to threaten there? Vance McDonald, maybe he'll get more than, like, four yards or nine yards this week. Uh, he's probably a decent play, he'll probably get some yards, but... Yeah, like, yeah, I don't think either of these teams are good. I don't think this will be a very good game. But, you know, in the random discombobulator of terribleness, I'll, I'll plump for the Jets this time. Just because that defense should hold up and actually be able to stop the run.
2: Now, now, hang on, hang on, right? I get what you're saying, like, but you say feed Matt Forte against Indianapolis, who are one of the worst teams against the run of the league. I'm aware the Niners are worse. Matt Forte averaged 2.8 yards a carry. He did nothing last week because there was... Absolutely zero threat of a passing game. Fitzpatrick was awful. Bryce Petty was probably just as awful, and I presume they're giving him a chance because anything is better right now. Like, yeah, but not nineers like, run defense. Yes, yeah, so forty-nineers run defense, but the, the Indianapolis run defense as well. Like, this is a team that is all over the place and the 49ers where they've actually been in games where they have just been like right we don't respect the past full and we're just going to shove everyone into the box have held people to less than 100 yards and I know that's kind of like a very qualified praise <laughs> but considering where they were earlier in the season right that's not actually that bad despite one
0: game San Francisco didn't allow 100 yards
2: yeah there were, there were several I think there were two um, I think actually one of them was David Johnson
1: so there you go guys guys just as an aside this game is garbage we spent probably the longest <laughs> time discussing this one apart from Ronan's soliloquy earlier. I just chip kelly's wild ride bro good god like him ah oh. Can we just pretend this game doesn't happen? We won't discuss it next week. Unless something incredibly terrible happens. I,
2: I, I play, it's Bryce Petty versus... It's, it's 100% going to be the,
1: fucking, the the dumpster fire next week. Isn't it? Yep. Atlanta, Los Angeles, right? We've got Atlanta across the board. Why? Atlanta are a good team. Los Angeles are not. Uh, Seattle at Green Bay. Uh, we've taken Seattle across the board. Why is that, Harry? Uh,
2: yeah, Green Bay have looked a little bit better, but you've got to think that Seattle are just the better team right now. They will probably feel the loss of Thomas a bit, but they've looked like more consistent despite some low points and you figure look i mean seattle tend to play well against green bay so give them the edge there
1: yeah uh dallas at new york giants is my pick of the week we've got dallas across the board i'm picking for this we had had a moment last week where myself and fitz disagreed over how many wins new york actually had (laughs) because it didn't make sense to me they had that many wins i don't think they're that good a team i think that they've beaten fucking tomato cans and they're going to get the shit kicked out of them in this game. The most impressive win that they've had all season was week one against the Cowboys when the Cowboys were playing maybe, what, 5% of the playbook they're currently playing, trying to deal with the injury to uh, to, to their plan to be starter. Um, the teams that the New York Giants have gotten their wins against since then, the Saints, the Ravens early on when they were still shit, and that was a close game, the Rams, the Eagles, the Bengals, the Bears, and the Browns, right? Right. That is is a terrible collection of teams. They do not deserve the record that they've got. And I'm sick to fucking death of hearing about how... Oh, we don't get enough media coverage. Why aren't people talking about us as contenders? One, you get too much fucking media coverage. I don't give a shit about your brillo pad-haired wide receiver. He's shite. Let him go and marry his fucking kicking net for all I care. Like, as long as I don't have to read another story about how much he loves the next-gen stats in Madden, I'm a happy man, right? Lose this game, realize you're irrelevant to the playoffs, and get out of my fucking newsfeed. Dallas, stomp the shit out of them. Thanks, Skip Bayless. That's it. Final game: Baltimore at New England. We've taken New England across the board. Although I was a little bit questionable on this one. Uh, Fitz, why?
0: Yeah, like I think we all agree that New England are probably going to contend for the for the AFC uh, like the championship and are probably are either the one or two team for the Super Bowl from the AFC. Baltimore showed some backbone last week. Baltimore have a good defense. They showed some spark in offense. But, you know, New New England have the pedigree. They have Tom Brady. They have Bill Belichick. They are the greatest dynasty of the last decade. I think they can probably take on a Baltimore team, which has shown, at various points, hope. And then has turned into poo for other weeks. So give to New England and
1: Baltimore. I must say, I like we've taken New England across the board for this one. This is this is the one that might be the surprise one. Baltimore always plays close.
2: Yeah, always plays close. Um. You'd have been more confident making this call before last week. Yeah, but like Baltimore f- haven't really beaten anybody good, so
1: no. But but Flacco was looking in form last week. It's it's one of those ones where you just you think back to that Super Bowl run they had, where they were pretty garbage during the during mm. the regular season. Just they started to turn it on towards the back end. Like I've still taken New England, but it's uh, it's definitely one of those ones. So outside of that, lads, uh, I suppose we've got a couple of gigs this weekend. That'll be mm-hmm. fun. I presume we've all got a bit of Christmas shopping to do as well. When are you getting up here, by the way, Fitz?
0: I uh, have Friday off,
1: so I can either come up on Thursday
0: evening or, or on Friday afternoon. Maybe. Fair enough. Do like, you, you
1: have any need for me on Thursday? Well, I'm 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 heading off to the Foy Vance gig on Thursday, so I'll be I'll be otherwise engaged until about midnight anyway. Uh, I'm that,
2: around in the evening, but sure, it's up to yourself. Like,
1: uh, like if you want to come up, I'll probably be watching the um, the the Chiefs, the Chiefs game that night. <laughs> Some midnight uh, midnight football. <laughs> uh, right, after midnight
2: football. Half half one. Um, half
0: well, yeah. one one. I well, remember we have to call out the reporter who for Fox, uh, one of the local Fox regional stations, who. Uh a Cleveland Browns supporter. Um, oh yes,
1: of course, of course. Most important news story. How did we forget this? I'm not There's interested. a poor. I, I I sent it into our into our discussion group for for news stories uh, earlier in the week. There is a Fox News reporter. He's a local weatherman for one of the Fox affiliates down in Cleveland, and uh, he decided earlier on in the year that uh, he was not going to shave his beard until the Cleveland Browns won a game or you know the season ended. The poor fucker looks like he's aged about twenty five years. <laughs> It is incredible. If you haven't seen the story, look him up. It's brilliant because they show him like three or four stages of uh, his beard growth. He now looks homeless. Uh, whereas beforehand, he was, you know, the real clean cut American, like, hey guys, it's going to rain today. Poor fella. Appar- yeah. Appar- yeah, apparently, apparently there's also, there's been people in contact with him about, do you remember we we, we, we had the news story earlier? Oh, the parade. The, the parade yeah. for Owen 16. They want him to lead the Owen 16 oh, parade. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be excellent. It should just be fabulous. Um, Five years
0: later, he's just, like, he drowns in his own facial hair.
1: Oh, God. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, no, I'd that. Not too much else. Crack, I suppose. Uh, head down for work tomorrow, and then uh nice weekend of gigs and getting ready for Christmas. It's a decent yeah, outage slate of games this weekend. Yeah, yeah, a lot to look forward to. We were saying this, there wasn't too many easy calls in it. Like, there's lots of ones that could go either way. There's one or two that definitely won't. Uh but yeah there's there's it eh, should be interesting oh man uh, looking forward to Thursday night football really excited I, know, I imagine we're going to be getting I'm going to be getting woken up at you know, half two in the morning
2: with yeah. my phone going off like
1: ding 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 ding, ding. <laughs> yeah.
2: new class ah, um, sure, it has to be done it has to be done <laughs> so I'll, 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 I'll repay the favour on uh, Monday night oh you know? of course of course
1: but I suppose yeah sure we've got a lot to lot, lot to be getting on with so uh, I suppose that's bye from myself bye from Harry bye bye from Ronan Uh, This has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. Get us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, whatever the fuck else is up online. Uh, Catch you next week.